0: Hello America and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We're hoping you had a wonderful 4th of July weekend, that you celebrated Independence Day with your family and uh, celebrated all of the great values that make America great today. I know there's a lot of negativity right now, a lot of protesting, a lot of rioting, a lot of silliness going on in our country, but even with all of that, we are still the greatest country that the universe has ever created. And uh, we had so much to celebrate this week, and I know I did with my family, and I hope you had a chance as well. We're going to dedicate this whole uh, podcast to the legacy of Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, the great orator, the first African-American vice presidential candidate in American history, uh, an advisor to Abraham Lincoln who gave perhaps... The single most important advice that Abraham Lincoln gotten about the Emancipation Proclamation, don't do it through Congress. Do it by executive order. Uh, that changed the course of history in ways that uh, few in America today appreciate. And the reason I picked the subject today is because over this great Fourth of July weekend, on the 200, uh, on 156th anniversary of that great advice that uh, Frederick Douglass gave to Abraham Lincoln, uh, we saw these horrible rioters, these hooligans, tear down a statue of Frederick Douglass. How insane that is. Rioters, protesters claiming to be for racial justice, tearing down one of the most important voices for racial justice in American history. It shows you how absurd and insane our country has become uh, in the midst of all of this turmoil. And it's also a real uh, testament to the fact that many of the people fomenting the violence and the protests and the riots today aren't really about racial justice. If they were, they would know that Frederick Douglass was an American hero, a leader of racial justice, uh, an essential figure in the American experience. But they're so naive, so ignorant, so bent on ruining America, they tore down one of the very statues honoring one of the great American heroes who stood for racial justice, who stood for the end of slavery, who advised American presidents and changed the course of American history for the good. That's how silly some of these leftist protesters on the street today are. And that's why we're going to dedicate this entire episode to Frederick Douglass. When we come back, we're going to talk about some important statements and contributions that Frederick Douglass made. And then we're going to talk to the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, Kevin McGrary. A, a conservative African-American minister, leader, uh, founder and president of that great foundation honoring Frederick Douglass' legacy. He's here to join us and we're going to talk about Frederick Douglass, about the Black Lives Movement, about the alternatives that are coming up to Black Lives Matter on the conservative side and uh, what's at stake in this 2020 election. You're not going to want to miss this great interview. We'll be back in a few seconds. But first, a word from our great sponsors and advertisers. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800-200-GOLD. gold That's 800-200-GOLD and find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. 800-200-4653, GOLD, or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And uh, as promised, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Kevin McGrary. He is the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation out of California. It's a very important group that honors the legacy of one of America's great heroes, the abolitionist. The uh, great orator, the great advisor to Abraham Lincoln, so many amazing things that uh, Frederick Douglass has brought to our history, to our founding, to our great heritage, and most importantly, to the freedom of African Americans, to the freedom of women. He, a lot of people forget this, but Frederick Douglass was an early and often advocate of women's suffrage, and here we are in the 100th anniversary of uh, women earning the right to vote finally in America. Frederick Douglass laid that groundwork much earlier than most people know, back in the 1880s and 1870s and 1890s. Um, very important to appreciate his contribution there. But over the weekend, vandals in Rochester, New York, vandalized, tore down the statue of Frederick Douglass. And, and it's so remarkable because the statue was at in a park in Rochester known as Maplewood Park where people like Frederick Douglass, abolitionists like he, he and Harriet Tubman and others, help shuttle slaves to safety along the Underground Railroad right through that park. Why do I bring this up? Because it shows just how ignorant, how silly some of the rioters and vandals and protesters currently are. If you're, as you say you are, for racial justice and improving the plight of African Americans, why? Why would you tear down? One of the great the statues of one of the greatest Americans in American history, Frederick Douglass, who brought so much to our country, who improved the lives of African Americans and white Americans and Indian Americans and every race by his bravery, by his commitment to freedom and liberty, by his extraordinary, brave uh, fight against slavery. And then after slavery fell, his extraordinarily important efforts to heal the country to bring uh reconstruction to a complete uh success uh he worked tirelessly to to make this country better to heal it from the wounds of slavery and yet we had yahoos and vandals and hooligans tearing down his statue in rochester new york that level of historical ignorance deserves a moment of pause a moment of discussion and so That's why I'm uh, dedicating this show to Frederick Douglass and why we have Kevin McGurry, the uh, president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, coming on in a few minutes. I want to uh, go to one great uh, moment in Frederick Douglass's um, history. There are so many that we could single out. As I said, he was an enormous advocate of uh, women's suffrage. He obviously spoke out against slavery was beaten and attacked many times in the pre-Civil War era for his outspoken support of abolition. He himself was a slave who escaped in Maryland, went to New York, went to the area around Rochester where he's honored by that great um, statue. Uh, And it was 168 years ago, this past 4th of July, when that terrible vandalism occurred this past Sunday, 168 years before that, where Frederick Douglass gave one of his greatest speeches of all time and uh, it was what does the 4th of July mean to a slave what to a slave is the 4th of July is the actual title of this speech it was given uh, 168 years before those uh, vandals and rioters took down his statue this past weekend And, and I think in these select passages I'm about to read to you there is resonance to today's movement yes Uh, Frederick Douglass would still speak out today against racial injustice. He would still see ways that we could improve America. But he also saw through a lot of the phony protests, the phony speak that occurred uh, during the Civil War, the pre-Civil War, the post-Civil War era. He had a way of knowing and calling out those who really were making the lives of African-Americans better, making the lives of all Americans better, and those who gave lip service to it while continuing to spit on the cause of freedom. And I'm going to read this extraordinary passage because uh, I think it speaks to today's violence, to today's insanity, as well as it did to those in 1852 when Frederick Douglass first gave the speech. So I begin reading. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy lions, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing, empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants, uh, brass-fronted imprudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nas- nation of savages. Those were powerful words, and obviously spoken in a time when slavery was still in place, when Americans didn't, of color and of uh, women, did not enjoy the freedoms that they have today. But I think in those words today, the, the spoken uh, attack on hypocrisy, still resonates today. There are people today who claim they're denouncing racial injustice while tearing down Frederick Douglass' great statue. Uh, If there isn't a hypocritical moment in the recent history of America greater than that, I can't find it. Uh, We should listen to Frederick Douglass's word. It's not about protest. It's not about violence. It's about creating true equality, true liberty. And those who are parading around today, tearing down our history, uh, uh, threatening to defund police departments in many ways are in a hypocritical way, not advancing the cause of freedom that Frederick Douglass so often uh, advocated for in his great life. And uh, in a few minutes, Kevin McGurry is going to talk about that. Uh, He makes some pretty, uh, recently has made some pretty profound statements, Kevin McGurry. He has suggested that there is far less systemic racism in police departments and far more systemic and historical racism in the Democratic Party and in Planned Parenthood, the health and abortion provider that is so public today and uh, uh, obviously uh, at the root of a lot of the abortion rights debate. He makes some really provocative comments about the history of the Democratic Party and that there's far more systemic racism in the history of the Democratic Party than there are in police departments today. You're going to want to hear him speak. I want to address one of those because he talks a lot about um, the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, and because I'm a journalist and believe in fair comment, I want to address some of her comments and some of the things that Kevin talks about in this interview. Uh, Margaret Sanger was, among many uh, uh, scientists of her time, a advocate of a particular form of uh, science that... Look to see whether they could, through breeding, create a more superior human race. It was called eugenics. Uh, It's now been discredited. uh, But in the course of her uh, advocacy for that, as well as providing health clinics and abortion clinics in African-American communities, she made many uh, polarizing and controversial comments, often in her letters and even in some of her public uh, statements, and I want to address those so that you have some context when you hear Kevin McGroery talk about this, because this is history that often doesn't get talked about, but it is uh, history that uh, has a subtlety to it that I want to make sure that we're all on the same page about. Perhaps the most incendiary thing that people have cited about Margaret Sanger and race is a 1939 letter. Uh, in which she talks about her plan to reach out to black leaders, particularly ministers, uh, to try to get them to back down from their opposition of Planned Parenthood clinics coming into black African-American communities in the South. Uh, There was concern about the advocacy of abortion. Uh, There was concern about uh, uh, the intentions of Planned Parenthood. And this is what Margaret Sanger wrote in a letter that has been cited by her critics most often. Quote, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea. If it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members, that's a pretty, uh, sordid statement, but uh, a lot of the historians who've looked at it, uh, have said that they don't believe Margaret Singer was advocating the extermination of the Negro race, uh, of uh, the African American race. She called it the Negro race. Cause that was the term of the time. Uh, Uh, But rather, she was trying to dispel the notion that that was her intention. Nonetheless, there have been many people, Herman Cain, uh, uh, Dr. Carson, Ben Carson, and you're going to hear Kevin McGrary say that they believe that this was a racist statement uh, and that it it tarnishes the history of uh, Margaret Sanger, not only in America, but in the African-American community specifically. Uh, Now, there are some other things she said. And remember, she's a eugenic uh, advocate, And so here's another um, uh, statement she made that uh, certainly um, goes to the thought processes that she had in the late 1890s to the early 1930s. In a 1921 article, she wrote that the most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the over-fertility of the mentally and physically defective. In other words, get rid of, stop the creation of, Uh, procreation of people that she viewed as uh, mentally and physically defective. Obviously, a lot of people today find such philosophy, such statements uh, absolutely reprehensible. And yes, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, uttered those words. I think when you hear Kevin uh, McGurry talk about it, or if you go back and look at the things that Dr. Ben Carson and Herman Cain have said on the campaign trail, There are conservatives in the African-American movement who view this body of work, these writings, these sentiments of Margaret Sanger uh, to be racist. There are others on the left and uh, historians who believe that they are more a reflection of the language of the time and that Margaret Sanger was not, at least according to the liberals, racist, but rather trying to help black women uh, with healthcare and in and, and her mind, abortions, which she thought was a form of healthcare. Obviously, many conservatives find abortion an affront to morality. But I wanted to give you that context so that when you hear uh, Kevin talk about it, you know the specific quotes that he's talking about, this is specific debate that has existed over the last. Uh, decade or two about Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood, racism, the African-American community. She was a divisive figure, as, as Planned Parenthood is a divisive organization. Uh, those who support it, support it strongly. Those who oppose it, oppose it strongly. But at least you'll have the facts upon which to judge uh, Margaret Sanger and her many statements, her, her very controversial um, support of eugenics, which obviously today has been discredited over the years. Uh, But uh, that doesn't take us away from the more important discussion we've had today about uh, and we're about to have about Frederick Douglass and the awful moment this weekend in Rochester where historical ignorance led to the tearing down and vandalizing of one of a statue of one of America's greatest heroes, Frederick Douglass. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to hear from the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, Kevin McGarry. We're going to talk about Frederick Douglass and what he means today and what can be done uh, to address racial injustice in America and are the Democrats and Planned Parenthood and those on the left um, the best suited to address racial justice given their history and also what's at stake in this election black lives matter the liberal movement Marxism conservatism this is a must listen interview you're going to be fascinated by the thoughts and ideas of Kevin McGurry, the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation coming up right after this commercial break, please remember, support our sponsors and advertisers. They make this show, these interviews, the just the news news report, all possible. Do all you can to support them. Thank you. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American cancer society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, Kevin McGarry the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, one of the great voices in the conservative movement today. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, John. It's an honor and a real pro- privilege and pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for having me.
0: And, and the same. Um, Frederick Douglass is one of my favorite uh, figures in American history. In fact, I did one of my high school uh, final papers in my senior year, and so I've learned a lot about him and 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 have enjoyed his contribution to America and reminding people of it. And I wonder, before we get started in today's public policy discussions, maybe we could talk just a little bit about some of the extraordinary things that that Frederick Douglass brought to the United States.
1: Yeah. So Frederick Douglass, uh, there's so many uh, that have been inspired by Douglass, but yet. There are so many that miss the, uh, the whole story about Frederick Douglass. They kind of recognize the name, but they don't know a whole lot of his actual history. In context, Frederick Douglass is the quintessential American hero, patriot, statesman, minister, father, and friend to Abraham Lincoln that has ever lived. I mean, this, this, this man's life is absolutely astounding. He was uh, born into slavery uh, and provided his first slave home, of which he learned how to read a little bit, felt that he was divinely inspired by God to actually read and sort of master uh, reading and oration uh, after his his, uh, owners, uh, so to speak, at that time decided not to continue to teach him to read because the the mother the the husband understood that if slaves knew how to read then they could essentially set themselves free at, at some point so they stopped uh, right. teaching him at some point and then he continued on uh sort of self-taught but he he felt that he was divinely taught and uh became a a leader not in his 20s 30s or 40s but in his teens he actually led uh bible studies uh actually he was teaching others to read under the auspices of Sunday uh, Bible study, so he started to to help others begin to set themselves free by way of education as well, and then uh, he f- he found a way to escape. After multiple tries, he finally did escape. Went up north to uh, New York, and then up further north to um, Boston, and New England areas, and was taken under the wing of of abolitionists up in that area. Then, uh, when they started to reclaim uh, slaves as far north, you know, it kept creeping up further north. He actually became the honored visitor of uh, Britain, of the UK, for uh, two, two and a half years. So, if you can imagine a black escaped slave who sort of self taught and he becomes an honored guest of Britain. For two two and a half years and he went throughout europe and he went to ireland and some other places as well but uh and then his uh, freedom was purchased he came back immediately started his entrepreneurship. his entrepreneurship um and uh and then became quick friends with abraham lincoln he was the one and a lot of people don't really focus in on this or don't, don't recognize the significance of him and, and lincoln but when lincoln rolled out emancipation proclamation to douglas And he says, look, we're going to get this through Congress and, you know, it's going to be great, right? And Douglas looked at him and said, man, look, um, if you're going to take this through Congress, we'll have hundreds of thousands of more slaves to be maimed, lynched, and killed before this thing ever passes. He says, this is the most, the single most important executive order that any president will ever do. And to this day, he's absolutely correct. So Emancipation Proclamation was done by Lincoln's executive order at the admonition and encouragement of Frederick Douglass. So that's how important <laughs> this man is to America.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, and, and then he became the first US, the first black in U.S. Marshals, first black uh, bank president, first black who was on the VP, who was on the presidential ticket, uh, first black in publishing. So there were so many firsts in Frederick Douglass's life that it's just astounding that people now Uh, especially this Black Lives Matter, would have the audacity to pull down his statue, even to think of him in a way of sort of, you know, white supremacy is just completely, it's lunacy. Right. And uh, they actually pulled down a statue and and it's just sick. We have a very, very sick uh, social and cultural uh, paradigm going on right now. We've got to address it.
0: We do. We absolutely do. And I think those who pulled down the statue clearly showed they didn't know anything about racial justice. They, they were about anarchy and not about um, honoring uh, the great tradition of Frederick Douglass, or they would have never in a million years tore down that um, statue of that amazing man. And it just shows you how, how hijacked the current movement has become by by extremists. It's, uh, it's remarkable. Um, you've had some r- really profound... Um, statements recently that have really caught my attention. There's a couple of YouTube videos that I've watched that I've really been fascinated by. I want to start with this notion uh, that has captured Fancy that it's time to defund the police. You have some very strong feelings about police departments and their membership and the concept that there's systemic racism in police departments. And I wonder if you could share with our audience what, what, what conclusions you've come to.
1: Yeah, so uh when they started to talk and chant about defunding the police and their rationale being systemic racism, you know, I started to think and thought, well, gosh, is there is there really systemic racism? And I, I I put on my thinking cap uh with holes in it, because I'm putting on my thinking cap of your typical leftist uh sort of drone, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, trying to think like they think, and I'm thinking, even if I sort of think how they think how is police departments systemically racist because the majority of police departments across the country are made up of minority and your your Marxist leftists and their professors who taught them to think this way say there's no way that you can be a racist if you're uh, if you don't have power. so minorities are absolved from being racist. And so I think, well, wait a minute, how can you say that police departments across this country are systemically racist when the majority, uh, you know, when you take a look at the top rungs and, and middle management and even administrative, there are the majority of the personnel that makes up law enforcement are actually minority. So that 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 just didn't hold water. And I thought, well, how could I don't know how to quite, you know, process this. And then I thought, well, if I I really did think uh, about this in some detail, maybe there are actual systemically racist institutions. And I started to think, and I I thought about history, and I started to think, well, there is one institution that actually started and encouraged and elongated slavery Uh, And they're still pervasively, you know, around today. There is one institution that actually started lynchings in the KKK. They started slavery and segregation. Uh, And to this very day, they actually encourage the Black genocide of Black black babies. And I thought, well, and, and all of their upper echelon, meaning in the House and the Senate, are white and has been for decades, many decades, or probably forever. And so that institution is the Democrat Party. It is systemically, and it fits. It actually fits the definition of leftist, for being a systemically racist organization. And then, um, and so the question is: is why is there no outcry to actually defund the Democrat Party? Because if you're if you're sincere, if you, they, now this this goes on, you know this is quite a stretch, right? If you're sincere, if you're a sincere right. leftist Marxist, which that that's a oxymoron on its surface, but if you're <laughs> sincere, you right. would immediately begin to march on Washington against the Democrat Party. At the very least, you would say we want reparations, not from the U.S. in general but from the Democrat Party. They're the party that precipitated all this. The other organization that I would look at very, very strongly is because they were started with their founder. Uh, Her founding message was, we actually don't want the Negro to know that we want to exterminate them. I'm paraphrasing, but you can look it up. Um, She was uh, a, a noted speaker at the Women's KKK. She hated blacks. She called us reckless breeders, the weeds of society, she called us a scourge, she called us a disease. Uh, her racial hatred towards Blacks is unparalleled. It's, it's like anybody public saying these kinds of things back then and even today should be uh, you know repudiated. But ironically, this woman is heralded by the Democrat Party. And her organization specifically targets to this very day, black babies. So which organization is that? That's Planned Parenthood. So why are, uh, and, 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 and when I say specifically targeted, let's just go through the numbers very, very quickly. I know you have a limited amount of time, but I just wanna make sure that everybody understands that I'm not speaking hyperbolic. This is, this is factual information, okay? The Planned Parenthood was started on this basis of exterminating Black and brown communities, right? Number two, uh, she started to immediately put all of her clinics and all of the other abortion affiliates in Black communities. Those are facts. That's indisputable. That's just the way it is. Now, here's the thing. Even to this day, Blacks only make up about 13% of the population. Of the 13% of the population, half of those are women, approximately. So let's say 6.5% are women of the six and a half percent that are women, half of those are childbearing. So let's say half of those are 15 to 44. So you got a 3% effective demographic and over 90% in some estimates of Planned Parenthood and and affiliates are actually in the black community. Why, why would you put all of your sites in the black community for a 3% demographic? This makes no sense. And so, yeah, I mean, we could confirm and also all of the upper echelon of Planned Parenthood have have been and are white up until recently. I think there was uh, an Asian and and et cetera, but um, have been white. And to this very day, the majority of people that are supporting the systemic racist racist organization are overwhelmingly uh, white women. So there you go. There there are two organizations that need to be immediately defunded, if we're sincere. That's the Democrat Party and Planned Parenthood.
0: Yeah, it's funny that Margaret Sanger's uh, history isn't talked about at all today. I mean, her, her writings were extraordinarily racist, and her eugenics thinking uh, of creating a supreme human race that um, for which she, she considered African Americans to be uh, inferior uh, in that in that race. It doesn't get more discussion today. It's it's remarkable that the media has sort of a selective lens, right? It, it picks certain moments and calls them racist and it ignores other ones that are staring them right in the face and, and pretends otherwise. How do we overcome that? How do we create a historical reclamation so that people can go back and get the truth about these institutions and, and not just the sort of select propaganda that, that these savvy media organizations have imposed on us in the last few months?
1: Well, I I think that we really need more voices, and especially Black voices, that are not right, left, or that, but can at least think logically. It didn't take me, it wasn't a stretch for me to come up with systemic racism being precipitated through the Democrat Party and Planned Parenthood. That's just thinking logically. It's like, okay, well, let's just think this through. So we need more voices like that to just think through logically, and we need more podcasts and um, great patriots like yourself who would be willing to put the, those voices on, and give us a, a the, the ability to communicate, because we have a lot to overcome. And let me tell you why. These professors on these college campuses, and quite honestly, in high school, I mean, it's been infiltrated in K through 12 as well as college, but uh, it's really in overdrive on, on our college campuses. The, they are completely poisoning our children. Uh, they're giving them, you know, a lot of untruths, manifestly uh, untruths. Uh, so literally lying to our children and tainting them against America, the American heritage and the truth about American history. And so people like Sanger are insulated from real scrutiny. I mean, most people find out about Sanger after they graduate college. Then when you have people like uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, lauding and touting Sanger as a wonderful woman and pioneer for women's rights, it makes it even more atrocious and harder for us to overcome the truth behind this woman because you have well-known political figures that are insulating uh Sanger and her uh all of her diabolical deeds from the public scrutiny. So we need we need more voices, we need more platforms that are going to allow us to get the word out. And we need more critical thinkers about uh about this stuff so we can, you know, really get the truth.
0: It's a, it's a fascinating time how the filter and of course with the social media uh platforms controlled by people with a clear ideology, it's always challenging to to, to get historically accurate and, and complete information out. But as we look through this election and, and the issue of race obviously is going to be, has been picked by the Democratic Party as one to turn on, can you compare the two candidates right now? You've got Donald Trump and his record over the last three, four years. You've got Joe Biden with a 40-year history in Washington uh, and some recent comments that obviously uh, generated controversy in the African-American community. How do both men size up when it comes to the issues that are most important to you liberty, free markets, racial equality, uh, the history of uh, Frederick Douglass? How do these two candidates stack up?
1: Well, that's an excellent, excellent question. I was about to do another video today, uh, actually doing a compare and contrast. We have on on, you know, here, here's the thing that we we have to sort of all filter when we have politicians all politicians talk a good game, right? At the end of the day, what we have to compare one politician from another is their track record, their history, their policies. And so strictly looking from a policy point of view, you have on one side, a a person who loves America and wraps himself in the flag, much like Dr. Martin Luther King Booker T. Washington and the Honorable, incredible Frederick Douglass. They loved America, and they wrapped themselves in the flag, even though they went through horrible times, far worse than we could imagine, and certainly far worse than what we have now. And yet, we're we're spitting on the flag and setting it on fire. But I digress. But so you look at you. So one person loves America, loves the idea of America and America exceptionalism, and uh, then you have on the other side. A person who is you know really a a shell of himself, a literal puppet and is going with you know sort of the the wave of his his party, which is anti american then you have on one side a person who has given us record employment numbers for all communities, but especially the black community uh, he also has given us um uh, he he also brings up quite often the scourge of blacks black genocide uh, that's happening in the black community as a result of Planned Parenthood. He gets it. He understands it. He also is huge on criminal justice reform. He worked in a bipartisan manner and did something that no other president, even our black president (air quotes) uh, over the past eight years, couldn't or wouldn't lift a finger to get criminal justice reform done. And then you had this president that also is um, he's big on actually reinvigorating uh, black and brown communities via opportunity zones. And so he's made a significant investment and provided uh, tax incentives for others to revitalize communities that have been dilapidated and underutilized, which also creates employment for Blacks in those communities. So when you consider that person, that person to me not talks the Black Lives Matter, but demonstrates that in his heart and through his policies, Black lives actually matter. Then you have this other individual who only talks Black Lives Matter but when he was vice president, did nothing to encourage or enhance black lives. Black lives were uh, significantly impacted by high unemployment um, and, and, and it was consistently high over the entire eight year period, the slowest economic recovery in that administration. And, and, um, and this other individual, Fully endorses and wants to fund even more black genocide via Planned Parenthood. This other individual also says, "If y'all don't vote for me, y'all ain't black." So he is uh, he is diabolical in the ways that he uh, that he speaks to and communicates with, and attempts to sort of uh, put pressure on the black community for votes. And that person should be completely rejected. Any black person that can really logically and objectively compare these two individuals—one with his policies and actions, and one with his talk and inaction—there's uh, a there's a clear demarcation, and it's sh- it sh- you know it really should not be a mystery which one actually believes that Black Lives Matter
0: it's uh, it is a remarkable debate that's going to occur because the data when you take the first three years of the trump uh, presidency and the, you take the eight years of the obama presidency the data has certainly been more favorable to the african-american community in the last three years than it was in the prior eight and yet uh, that hardly gets uh, spoken of i'm wondering if if in as you look out in uh, the electorate in the fall Do you see a potential shift among African-American voters that they they like the economy they had the last three years? They like the things the president has done on uh, prison reform and uh, justice reform. Uh, Do you think that they will that will be a a growing movement towards Trump? Or do you think that the um, events of this summer have thwarted or slowed uh, any any gains that President Trump has made in, in the minority communities today?
1: No, I I, I do anticipate that the black community uh, on balance will increase its uh, support for President Trump in this next election. Whether it will be the 40% or 28%, uh, some of those recent approval polls over the past three months or so, I don't know. But I do believe that it will be an increase over the approximate 8% that he got last time. I do believe it could be well in the 12 to 15 percent range that he may get 12, 15, maybe even 20 percent of the black voters, which would bring uh, the Democrats at about 80 percent, Joe Biden at about 80 percent black vote, and Trump at about 20 percent. I think that that is realistic. Now, here's what needs to happen we have a lot. Of organizations on the left, who are funding the Marxist professors, the community agitators, Black Lives Matter has been promised uh, somewhere between hundred and thirty million to over one point three or one point five billion over a number of years. Not not all. Uh, it's not all in yet, but they've been pledged those amounts for their purposes. Here's what I don't see on the conservative side. We have a lot of billionaires on our side as well. And we have organizations like the Douglas Leadership Institute that I'm a part of, the Frederick Douglass Foundation that I'm a chairman of here in California, and uh, other institutions that are willing and able to activate large forces in the black community and go and get those votes. Uh, we actually, you know, walk precincts, go door to door, and we fight, scrape, and do what we have to do to get those votes. We need uh, organizations or individuals that are concerned about our country. We are right now at the precipice. If Biden wins, it's game over. Whether you have money or not, it's 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 going to be a different America. And this is the time where we can't have people sitting on the sidelines just hoping that things turn out right. We need people to step up and to, you know, support, thoroughly support organizations like ours who can be a counterbalance to the Marxist agitators and community destroyers of Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all of the uh, associated affiliates. So this is the time where we really need patriots to stand up and say, you know what, my kids are coming back from college and they're gone uh, in the sense that they're mentally gone. They've gone to the other side and they're asking me to sell all my goods and give it to Black Lives Matter. Uh, I think I need to take a stand and I need to stand with organizations like the Douglas Leadership Institute, the Frederick Douglass Foundation, other black conservative organizations and get these guys to go to work in these communities. So we can change the narrative and change the trajectory, relative trajectory of these uh, community organizing agitators that are causing, wreaking a lot of havoc in our communities at the moment. So we can do it, but it's going to take some, you know, we just need some wherewithal to get out there and do the work. That's the short answer.
0: Why do you think, uh, why do you think it is that uh, the the left billionaires are so activated this time, right? You're, you're seeing I think I just saw George Soros commit another $40 million over the weekend to his super PAC on top of all Absolute. the things that he funds a year, which is over a billion dollars a year. Love him or, or hate him, uh, George Soros puts his money where his mouth is and, and increasingly so and has had a profound effect, particularly on the millennial generation where he, he targeted uh, you know, them as a as a potential liberal audience for a long time to come. Why? Why does uh do you see an apathy on the right? Is it is it a business too much of a business approach? What's the difference between the left billionaires and the right billionaires right now, and, and with so much at stake in this election?
1: It's really uh you know it's it's really a fascinating thing because Soros he always puts his money out there and attempts to undermine America in whatever way he can. And he is not ashamed. He has billions, and guess what? He'll spend a good chunk in any given election—local, state, federal. It doesn't matter. He wants, you know, to undermine America. So he puts his money where his mouth is. Now, I think his motivation is much higher than, uh, you know, conservative billionaires, for instance, or, or GOP billionaires. Uh, there, they are apathetic in the sense that they really think that. America as an ideal will always be around. Um, What they don't realize is that the left plays for keeps. They are literally on the cusp of taking this thing over. COVID gave them a lot of wind beneath their wings. And then with uh, the um, Black Lives Matter and the riots going on, that gives them great enthusiasm about now is the time. It's all out. Let's put all of our cash out there and turn this thing over. And if we're not careful, they can win and do it. And they will do it. Um, But I don't think that the, the folks on our side really get that. I don't think that they really have the same amount of zeal for righteousness, justice, and the ideal of the American way. I just don't think that they're zealous about it. Uh, comparatively speaking now the other thing is is the leftists like soros and and all of the others on that side Steyer and those they'll do it because they know that when uh america becomes a marxist country that they are the masterminds they'll be at the top of the heap making policy and 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 basically they'll they'll uh ascend to control of this thing uh, and ascend to the United Nations and whatever other global entities that they they need to, and the professors as well. So they have a power issue that they're trying that they that they can sense. I mean, it's they can just smell it, taste it, and we're just that close in their minds, um, and it, it gives them great, great you know enthusiasm uh, for the uh, carnage in our streets, and so. Um, we just need conservatives to to be just as zealous on this side uh, to to fight against it. Uh, here's what we're doing, and I'm, I'm I'm speaking a little bit out of turn, but uh, I'll just I'll just give you a high level. And if your listeners are interested, they can contact the Douglas Leadership Institute and the Frederick Douglas Foundation. Uh, but here's what we're doing. Uh, what we need is a conservative counterbalance to Black Lives Matter, um, and so we're standing up uh, speakers, the Speakers Bureau across the country that are ready, willing, and able, all authors, you know, like myself and public speakers that are Black conservatives that are going to be a counterbalance to go into these communities and mainly speak to churches and also to law enforcement entities to uh, not disparage them and, uh, uh, and demoralize them but to give them an encouragement about how to move forward with appropriate reforms and uh, appropriate level of policing. But uh, on the left side, there are a number of agencies already out there that are going after the federal funds that um, uh, Trump put out there via his EO. When he uh, eliminated the chokehold, he also put federal funds out there for training and retraining of law enforcement, And we need a conservative agency that will go out and do some of that work. So we're trying to do all we can, folks. But we do need help. We need people that are willing to partner with us, come alongside and help us, because our messaging can and will win the day. But if we don't have the wherewithal to get out in front of it, um, we're going to be at a significant disadvantage, and we're at an inflection point in America where we can actually lose it all
0: the uh frederick Douglass always had a gift for synthesizing the moment in uh the uh the debate line that, on which something turned and i, I always found I, I when i look back at his speech in the british parliament where he talked about uh, i think it's called the london reception speech if i remember correctly and he, he he kept saying you know how could a, a country like america call itself free when there were three million people who don't even have the legal right to be married uh within its mm-hmm. borders he always had the right of of uh, had the uh, extreme uh, capability to boil something down into a a very simple concept that was profound and yet simple to understand as we head into the election this fall every election turns usually on one question right are you better off than you were four years ago the ronald reagan question from 84. What is the question that this election will turn on, not just for African-American voters, for conservative voters, but countrywide? What is really the question that you think this election will turn on?
1: Uh, The question is, do you want the ideal of America, the free, the righteous, the just type America, or do you want a new uh, sort of reimagined America that embraces uh, something that is an a- anathema to our constitution—that would be Marxism, Marxism, and all the accoutrements therein, which would include socialism and communism—are wholly that that not, not partly, but wholly demonic. They've uh, actually emerged from the demonic realm, and they are antithetical to uh, to America. And so we have. Uh, do you want to at least strive to make America a better place and reform it and um, reimagine it in in its in its best light, or do you want to completely destroy it uh, and uh, under the auspices of Marxism and go a completely different way? And I think what we see in the streets today. Is a precursor of things to come if we want a Marxist America. Deaths in our largest cities have escalated uh, beyond what those you know to record level, record levels on a daily basis in, in some of those cities, because those cities just uh, announced that they will either fully or partially defund police. This defund police movement is a sincere movement, and if Marxists get control over it, they're going to empty our prisons, and they're going to greatly defund police, uh, at least mostly, may may not totally, but at least mostly. And our streets will become, all streets in America will become like we've seen in some of our larger cities in Minneapolis and Chicago and New York over the past several weekends. So, they, you know, the choice is ours. <laughs> I mean, we could, you know, we, we just, we're at the inflection point where we choose now this day. Uh, what kind of America we want?
0: So this really comes down to uh, for Republicans and conservatives portraying the Biden-Pelosi, AOC, Schumer, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement as a move towards Marxist America, and Trump as sort of the preservation of America as we know it and the America that was founded, you know, by by great minds like like Frederick Douglass and others. Do you think that uh, that argument has uh, begun to take hold, or do the conservatives need to do a better job of sharpening that argument over the next few months?
1: We absolutely need to do a better job because when we say Marxist, a lot of people think that we're you know sort of intoning a name calling uh, there, and they don't. A lot of people don't know what that means. They're they're completely oblivious. They, 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 you know remember. A lot of them have been trained by their Marxist professors, who, who speak in in great uh, accolades about what Marxism is and how it's a, some kind of utopia. Uh, even the baby boomers, though, that are have children in college uh, and haven't been to college, you know, for many many years, they've either forgotten or they never studied what Marxism really is. We have to do a better job of not just declaring that this person or this movement or or this policy or this uh, uh, party are Marxists, we have to explain what that is. And especially to churches. There are so many Black churches that are standing behind Black Lives Matter and their Marxism, their level of Marxism. They have no idea that this is a demonic move. Now, I have put out there I think I have at least one of the videos that talks about Marxism and its, and its foundations. And I clearly talk about how it's evolved from Plato, Thomas Hobbes, Thomas More, Hegel, and then Marx and Engels, which really where it culminates and takes hold. But the thing that all of those individuals have in common, every last one of them, is they hated God. They hated the notion of God they were all atheists now how come i haven't heard anyone actually connect those dots why don't we ever say look marxism is not only antithetical to what america is it's it's a demonic move completely it's born out of demonism i mean you know but we don't we, we don't and so we have a lot of churches that are completely you know, they're they're just going with the flow and they're not even thinking this through. And a lot of a lot of it's on us. You know, we, we kind of talk about Marxism as it's it's just a different, you know, form of a government or an economic policy, just and it's just as valid as capitalism. But it's not. It is much more diabolical than that. And we need to sharpen our wits and have, you know, meetings. And, and help walk these people through what that is, so they can really get it. So we have to do a better job.
0: As we wrap up, just real quickly, how do, you, if people wanna learn more about or get involved with the Frederick Douglass Foundation, how can they uh, get more involved? How can they find you on the web and learn more about this great American who uh, has been one of my favorite figures in, in my lifetime?
1: Well, there's a couple of institutions that we have. We have the Frederick Douglass Foundation, um that you know org. so if you go to Fdf.org it'll it'll get to our website. Uh, and then we have chapters. My chapter is FDFCA as in California.org and uh, and then also we have the Douglas Leadership Institute, which is a 501 C3. And uh, we're actually doing educational pursuits within communities of color. So we we help, in a very nonpartisan way, uh, bring people along to understand history, accurate history, factual history, and truth through the Douglas Leadership Institute, which is a 501c3. And also, I would encourage people to go to my YouTube channel, and it's just my name, Kevin McGarry, M-C-G-A-R-Y. Type that into YouTube and you'll see a number of videos. And I constantly add, Uh, I just started a week or so ago and I'll be adding pretty much daily quick clips, video clips, three to five minutes max, talking about these very important issues. One last thing is if you want to get in touch with me and you want to learn more about what's happening socially and culturally, my book was just released on Amazon. And it's called The War on Women, From the Root to the Fruit. And um, it's a very, very important book. I basically take every single one of our existing social, social cultural uh, paradigms that we're currently fighting. And uh, because, believe it or not, it's all connected to the war on women. And I know it sounds really kind of, what? How is this? Trust me. (laughs) You have to trust me like this. You have to read the book. But uh, basically, uh, everything sort of connects and culminates in what we see today. And it is providing uh, a lot of, of clarity as to exactly what's going on. And I would encourage people to just go to Amazon and type in the war on women uh and or my name and they get access to that book as well so a few different ways to contact us and support us and help us and get the word out
0: well i want to thank you again kevin for for joining the show today joining us on the on the weekend of the 156th anniversary of that great moment where frederick douglas uh advised uh abraham lincoln to take the executive route rather than to go through congress to to save lives and to save the republic and then to think that on this past weekend, uh, some hooligans took down the great statue of Frederick Douglass because they simply didn't understand history. We're so lucky that you came on the show today to not only inform us but also to give us some food for thought on on what's ahead in the election, what's at stake in the election ahead. I I can't thank you enough, and I hope to have you back on the show soon.
1: I'd love to come back, and I'd love to actually talk about the war on women. I think that uh, you and your listeners will get um, quite a bit of illumination as to what's going on through that book so again i encourage you to do that um and i any time for you again you are uh in my opinion uh, a national treasure for all the great great works that you do so thank you so much for having me i'm honored well thank
0: you sarah Well thank you and thank you for your time today and the and the the great discussion i know our listeners are going to enjoy it a lot all right folks we're going to go to come come to a quick commercial break and then we'll be back to wrap things up for the day Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. I hope you drop by justthenews.com and check out our headlines. I think one of the most important headlines of the last week occurred over the weekend on Just the News Most of the mainstream media is ignoring this, but this is a very important declaration. The CDC said that uh, the COVID 19 outbreak is about to lose its status as an epidemic, meaning that the number of deaths as a percentage of overall American deaths is declining so much from COVID 19 that it soon won't qualify under the definition of epidemic. This is good news. It's good news you don't hear from other news organizations, but it's right out of the mouth of the CDC. It's an important distinction. What it begins to show, I think, is that as the uh, disease is spreading now, uh, its lethality is declining, its hospitalization is leveling off. And yes, more people are getting it, but fewer and fewer are dying. Uh, And that is good news for all of us as Americans. To get the latest on COVID-19 and the statistics that maybe other news media aren't giving, go to justthenews.com and check out Daniel Payne, Christine Dolan, Two great reporters on our staff who've been writing and working on this and really helping enlighten Americans and get over the fear-mongering, get the real facts so you and your family can make good decisions. That's what we try to do at JustTheNews.com. Also, my book, Fallout, comes out next week. This is a project that I did with my great co-author, Seamus Bruner. It's an important book in my mind because it takes the work I did that you're all familiar with on Fox News at Just The News, at the Hill uh, about the Russia case, and it puts it into the context that the Russia scandal, the um, FBI failures, have to be viewed in the context of an earlier failure, and that is that the Obama administration's efforts to reboot its relationship with Russia back in 2009 Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Barack Obama thought they could win the hearts and minds of the Russian government, Vladimir Putin. By giving away lots of uh, things, including nuclear contracts to our utilities, um, uranium under our American soil, and other uh, efforts, including building Russia its own uh, Silicon Valley, that those backfired. And it was the failure that the Obama administration gave so much to Russia, got nothing in return except an invasion of Crimea and Ukraine in 2014 that sets in motion the Democrats' efforts to neutralize uh, the Russia issue in the 2016 election. That leads to the false allegations against Donald Trump and Russiagate. And then, when Russiagate's falling apart and uh, President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is getting ready to go to Ukraine because he thinks part of the Russia story runs through Ukraine, all of a sudden the Democrats uh, uh, gear up and create the Ukraine scandal, which leads to impeachment. And so, this book, Fallout, lays out how Democrats for 10 years um, had a cascading set of scandals, which began with their own failed foreign policy and ended with the acquittal of President Trump in the impeachment trial this past January. Big, big revelations, lots of new news in the book. And I want to offer our listeners, our readers at justthenews.com, our listeners at John Solomon Reports a special offer. If you go to jtnshop.com, scroll down, you'll find a special offer where if you buy the book, I will give you an autographed copy autograph it with an inscription and you'll be invited to attend one of a handful of private Q&A sessions where real listeners, real viewers, real readers of justthenews.com will get to ask me questions about Russiagate, about the Durham investigation. These are private, small number sessions, an opportunity to hear privately Uh, and ask your own questions about what's really going on in the country, what's going on with the election, what's going on with Russiagate, what uh, accountability may or may not occur. We're going to do this as a special offering to our loyal listeners and to our readers at justthenews.com. To get involved, to get in line, to join one of these private events, go to jtnshop.com right now, and we'll get you uh, an autographed copy Directly from me as well as an invitation to one of these events in July later this month. The book comes out July 14th. Your opportunity to have a QA and a and join some of your fellow readers and listeners uh, is one click away at jtnshop.com. Go check it out today. We're going to have our first event next week on the eve of the launch of the book. We're going to have several more over the course of July. We invite you to join us. We're going to have some special guests perhaps uh, visiting for some of those meetings Uh, And we'd like you to be a part of the experience. Get your chance to ask me or others questions and and have a discussion about why we really went through the Russia Gate, Ukraine gate scenarios and what may come of it as we head into the 2020 election. All right, that wraps it up. We'll be back on Thursday. Thanks again for listening. And be sure to check out JustTheNews.com as often as you can. I'm John Solomon, and you've been listening to John Solomon Reports.